Welcome to the Ultimate Coach Podcast, Conversations from Being, inspired by the book, The Ultimate Coach, written by Amy Hardison and Alan Thompson. Join us each week with the intention of expanding your state of being, and your experience will be remarkable. Remember, this is a podcast about being. It is a podcast about you. To explore more deeply, visit theultimatecoachbook.com. Now, enjoy today's conversation from B. Welcome back for another episode of The Ultimate Coach Podcast. Uh, my name is Philip Batu, and today I am joined by Lloyd Fickett. Lloyd, well, he's known Steve for uh, over 30 years, and uh, the interesting thing about Lloyd is there was a time when Steve was still working for Rodell and Lloyd got hired as the coach. And there's a remarkable story that happened right after that in the chapter Demolition, which really caught my attention. And I'm really excited to speak to Lloyd today, who at the time developed something called the Rodell Principles, which later became to be the collaborative way. And over the last 25 years, he's been helping companies use the collaborative way to build the futures they envision. Lloyd, so good to have you here. Philip, it's a delight. Look forward to it. So Lloyd, one of the first things uh, I'd like to know is, my understanding is the first time you met Steve, you were a seminar leader for Landmark. Is that correct? Correct. And what do you remember from that time? Well, uh, not a lot, actually. Um, he was one of the participants, and he was in a group with uh, my wife, Lynn. And Lynn and him uh, and Steve had a nice connection, and she felt that we should uh, meet and connect. And so she was uh, – Lynn orchestrated the two of us getting together and then once we did, we really hit it off well. It was uh, so that's that's what I remember from there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and at the time he was working at Rodell. He was working at Rodell, and uh, and then based off of our connection and his experience of me as a seminar leader, he championed uh, me um, becoming uh, a consultant, a coach for uh, Rodell. And then I remember that there was also, well, a lot of hesitation, right? Bringing you on board and the costs and would it be worth it? And, um, and in the end, his championing of you really helped you be someone that can be a stand for what, what later became the Rodell principles. Yeah. Or are we, I think we really called it the Rodell way. Oh, the Rodell, it was the Rodell way. Yes, that's right. Yeah, the Rodell then, way. Right. Yeah. And then we, when I took it out beyond Rodell, then that's where I look, well, what do we call it outside of Rodell? And fortunately, I realized that the answer to that question was the collaborative way. So that's right. And uh, yes. So, so what was it that, how did that, the, the whole Rodell way, I know that you, you, um, there are, you know, the five different practices, 
which um, which are really ways of being. Maybe you could just introduce what those are and how, how were they actually developed? Um, well, the first question is fairly easy. So there's five core practices. Those are listening generously. So really listening for the value for the gold in what the other person is saying, Set it, setting aside our our filters, our our um, preconceived views, judgments, etc., and really listening for the value. Speaking straight to speak honestly in a way that contributes to what we're uh, here, what we're up to together. Um, then it's um, to be for each other. Um, at the very beginning level, that's be for each other's success. Mm-hmm. And then if you get deeper, it's for the possibility that each of us is. Um, and then uh, honor commitments. So we're going to honor our commitments. We recognize that uh, commitments are a relational phenomena. And that if I accept the commitment from you, I'm also committed to that future. And that we take on this practice together of supporting each other and honoring our commitments and in honoring our commitments. And then the last one is acknowledgement and appreciation so that we're each a source of acknowledgement and appreciation across, down, up, uh, throughout the organization. Um, so mm. it's kind of yeah. often this, viewed as the secret sauce <laughs> well you know i love this the simplicity yeah this the simplicity of that and i i through the the ultimate coach i i did um order your book the collaborative way a story about engaging the minds and spirit of a company and i just want to tell you how much i, I love the simplicity of it and having the framework that you created i'm, I'm curious to know how, how did you come up with that well let me first just add two other elements of the right. framework Yes. Okay. So one is all those practices are focused towards what we're up to together. So yeah. that helps true up the practice. Mm-hmm. And, and the other is it takes place in a context or framework of learning. So we're always um, learning this practice. I've been practicing the collaborative way for well over 30 years, and I'm still a learner. I'm learning to listen generously. Yeah. Uh, I have yet to master. Yeah. The- <laughs> <laughs> the practice of listening generously, etc. So it's it keeps and the practice keeps you on your developmental edge if you're yes. practicing. Okay. So uh, um, then to your question, how did this get developed? Well, you know, it's um, there's two stories to that. One story is I would it would it. Um, through my whole developmental journey in uh, um, enlightenment and and transformational work that I uh, engaged in for most of my life in very focused manner, starting when I was uh, uh, 74, uh, something like uh, 24 years old I, uh, in the end of 74, yes, I went to work for Warner Earhart and uh, things were so I've been on that journey for a long time. And a lot of what the collaborative way was uh, my ongoing learning and my own practice, but not from a, a deliberate way was emerging. You know, so I, I was a pretty I became a pretty good 
pretty good listener. I woke up to as uh, when I was operating, running a center, really woke up to the power of appreciation and saw the unbelievable impacts that could occur when you operated out of appreciation. Mm-hmm. I, I went to a center that had um, been traumatized and had lost its way and helped it find its way back to center. And, um, and when I got there, it was the staff were all bickering with each other, you know, and uh, I'm like, what? We're selling enlightenment and what you're doing is bickering with each other? Come on, you can't do that. You, you, we're not going to relate to each other this way. Period. If you want to be here, we're going to work together and be for each other. So I took that stand and hmm. that was a part of the history Though I'd never, it, many years later, I, in reflection, I could see how this was emerging. Um, yeah. But when it came to the actual collaborative way itself emerging, it was, uh, it was in working with Rodell, and um, I had helped merge two elements of the facilitated and merging two of the business uh, companies of Rodell back together. So they merged back together as one company. Right. And I facilitate that. And Bill and Don Buttinger approached me and asked, said to me, listen, um, we recognize that in our marketplace, our marketplace is going to explode. Just in nine, um, there was this breakthrough making computer chips and Rodell was involved in, they sold the consumables that were used to polish silicon wafers, make, make computer chips. And they were the world leader in providing consumables for polishing silicon wafers. So this breakthrough was when they discovered how to, to uh, you know, you slice a silicon um, tube and then you would... Uh, uh, polish it, and then print a circuit on it. And that was a computer chip. And the breakthrough mm-hmm. was when they discovered how to polish, print, polish, print, polish, print. So you had planes of printed circuits on one computer chip. It was one of the fundamental breakthroughs that allows for our smartphones in the whole world that we're living in. Um, and they had the vision and foresight in 89 to recognize that um, – this was going to cause an explosion in their marketplace. And the really big companies like 3M and Cabot would come into their marketplace, have way more um, PhDs to throw at the challenge, way more mm. money to throw at the challenge. And, uh, and their question was, how can we continue to be the world leader when that happens? And as they pondered that question, they came to the conclusion that there was only one way they could do that. And that is if they came up with an extraordinary way of working together. And so they approached me in 1990 and asked me if I would join them in developing that extraordinary way of working together. So for a consultant and a person that had been working in this field, that was like a dream challenge. And and I started, like most... um, Consultants would with working with individuals to grow their leadership, to grow their commitment, mm-hmm. shift their um, behaviors, um, etc. And we were having 
progress. We're making yeah, progress. Yeah. Okay. But when I looked at it, I said to my honestly, I said to myself, I don't think we're making the level of progress we need to make in order to meet the challenge that is yeah. coming. Today. Yeah. So I was standing in that in that gap. And um, I just really finally found myself in this corner where I said, well, what do we do? Just kind of asked that. Yeah. And to my surprise, I got an answer. And the answer was, you got to call out a small number of commitments that will define how we work and relate together and that take on learning to work that way. And when I got that, it was like, whoa. And what yeah, might so, be was my next question. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. But I just want to slow, slow that down for us because there, there are a couple of things. Firstly, just the courage for you to take on the challenge without knowing how. Yes. So firstly, I want to acknowledge that. You know, a lot of people wait until they have the how-to and then they go and sell the how-to. You didn't do that. You just jumped in. You knew that you would do what it takes to create this possibility. And, and you are, that's already extraordinary. So I, I acknowledge that in you. And then the other thing I'm hearing is, gosh, you um, noticed something was missing. And you just noticed that the way we're going, it's not that for the level of extraordinary collaboration, something something's missing. You're right. And you identified that, yeah. Because what the shift there is, is well for you know then i asked myself well what might those practices be and they came just i just wrote five down it was just yeah right now yeah. in retrospect i can see they were building all along but yeah in a moment that they arrived and those have been the same five since then and um so the shift is such a simple and yet profound shift is from because we were doing working on listening with people we're working on speaking straight but it was working on that as an individual the shift is that these become a committed way of relating and now we're working on how we work together right we can really get good at working this way together if we committedly take on learning how to work together and that shift into the we space yeah. instead of the I and developing the individual and having that be the primary focus, the primary focus is shift over to the we yeah. and the I has to follow in order to fulfill on the we, you know, and that was the shift that's yeah. in the collaborative way. So, so when you say shift, would you, would you say that's a shift in being from going I to we? Yes. As the primary focus, you got both. Yeah. You have to. They're in, you can't separate them. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Most that's right. Primary focus is on I. This puts the primary mm-hmm. focus on we, how we are going to work together. And yeah. as then I have, it requires of me, if I'm going to honor my commitments, to to mm-hmm. continue to grow in my ability to listen. Yeah. Well, how, how interesting. So, so Steve Hardison was then one of the, well, one of your clients in, Create, in creating, he was part of the team, right? Yes. What was it like to have him as a client? Well, it was it was a delight and a challenge. You know? <laughs> is uh, um, 
I mean, he's always, always been inspiring. And he's always been a guy that had very few considerations, if any. So he, uh, you know, most of us operate in a field of considerations that constrain our, our yeah. what we do. Okay. Uh, that very little of that for him He's just takes actions, you know, and so, and it has a freedom in that way. Yeah. So, um, uh, there was an awful lot of that present and, and he could be, you know, he's a force to be reckoned with. So sometimes, you know, it was a little bit of a challenge if we had some issues to work on or yeah. that weren't working out so great and needing to call that, to his attention and yeah. Can you, can you give an example of what that means more specifically of him being unconstrained by consideration? Well, it could be as simple as most of us. We go to call somebody and we think about it a little bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you just pick up the phone and call. That's <laughs> it was already like that 30 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, are are he and he'll test himself. He likes to test himself. Mm-hmm. Wild things in those days, like yeah, so get on a plane without his plane ticket, you know, and things like that to to uh, to test himself. Uh, right. Or so he was always always uh, that quality that of yeah, of course, of course, big possibilities, challenging himself and. Very few, if any, considerations. It wasn't constrained in the way that most people are. Yeah. And what else do you remember from just from those first early times when you were still developing the Rodel Way? Um, what do you What do you remember from that time that you want to share? Well, let's see. Um, you know, there were so many, so we we're all working together to bring this way of working and relating into reality. So, yeah, you know, just because you have the insight and you do the training, that's not sufficient. And then how do you keep you? It requires that you um, practice and yeah. moment and and get a, and and enroll enough for enough leaders in the company throughout the company to to really pull this off so that we end up having this environment. And it, at the same time, it also it moves into the environment very quickly. Um, and one of the things that we hadn't anticipated when we took on the practice is how much it would attract some of the, um, the best and the brightest in the industry. So like, well, we couldn't have as many PhDs as the competition did. The, our environment attracted the leading PhD in the field of planarization. He came and joined, joined us. And a few mm-hmm. months after being there, he approached me and said, Lloyd, I just want you to know, this is the first time in my career where who I'm competing against is the competition. Always before, what he felt was who he's competing against with his co-workers. And- yeah, 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 yeah. And we weren't really competing against the competition. Yeah, you were you were being one for another. Yes. Yeah. And, and when you really get that going, it's mm-hmm. it is so powerful. And, yeah, I feel uh, that. So to play together in that way, yeah, it was it was a uh, so many people that were yeah. part of Rodell. You ran in that period. 
when you connect with them, they'll say, this is the highlight of my career was that period. Yeah. And Steve was one of those leaders that was yeah. inspiring and was a part of the whole thing until came mm-hmm. the point in time when it was. Yeah. Well, that that's amazing work you did with Rodell, with Steve. In the book, the chapter is called Demolition. Yes. Two sessions you have with him. He's left completely feeling kind of, I'm going to actually just read this because <laughs> I want to, I want to hear this from you. It's, it's quite extraordinary what happened after two sessions. Um, Steve remembers curling into the fetal position and Lloyd wrapping his arms around him. Lloyd whispered, Steve, there's nothing left for you to prove. You're okay. Everything's all right. There's nothing left to prove. What happened in that time? What do you remember from that? Well, that's a big question. There's a lot there. In that moment right there, he had tapped into an extraordinary vein of anger that he had not expressed and had been underneath the surface. And um, and I had done everything I could think of to dispel that anger and nothing worked. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was, he's not a small guy. And yeah. he, I, for a long time, I had the file cabinet that was next to where he was laying that had the crack from his kick into the file cabinet, uh, uh, just as a reminder of that day. Uh, and, um, but I knew he needed to come to peace. And so yeah. I got down on the floor and embraced him. And Beautiful. And fortunately, um, we connected and he was able to come to center. And yeah. Yeah. You know, that's, that's really, I'm really touched by that because there's often, you know, we, we, we forget, right. That he's human like all of us and he's had his own processes and things that he's, he's been through and to be able to speak to you who was a witness of that and who was, um, yeah, able to help him through that was, was, was really profound. And what happened after that was, um, I'm going to read page 116 on Monday morning. Say, let me just say that yeah. what the process was. Yeah, yeah, please. Was, um, it was called the break in belonging. Okay. It was around, it took the perspective that for all of us, almost all of us, we came into this world belonging. You know, the right. sense of our connection, there was no separateness. We fully belong. And there's some point in our, in our journey where we find ourselves not belonging. And we really feel that. And, and, there is a reaction to that that occurs. And whatever that reaction yeah. is, how we react at that moment and the decisions that get made at that in out of that reaction define and shape your your life right going forward. And so in the break and belonging, what we were doing, the intent was to get back as close to that as we can. You don't have to get back to that exact moment because it just keeps playing out forever. So uh, for the rest of your life. So you get back early to a really 
moment when that's running, okay? You get present to a time where you go from belonging to breaking to belonging. Yeah, to not belonging. To not belonging, yeah. Yeah. And how and what's happening right there. And so and so that you can care for that reactivity. You can care for that reaction. You can care for yourself there. Hmm. And to to come back to to have freedom so that you're not in that moment. Yes, that reaction may came up, come up. Like for me, it was when my mom left me when I was three and a half years old. Mm-hmm. And, and the decisions I made at that moment whew, were um, defined how I related in especially like an intimate relationship. You know, that fear of losing being chosen. Right. Okay. Whatever yeah. that came up, I then turn into myself and I'm going at my own. I'm alone. I have no one. I'm going to care for myself. Um, and that's not a great way to do relationship. <laughs> okay. So uh, it was in my process of coming to wrecking to to be kind with that experience as it comes, you know, to, for me, it was ultimately to love. Hello, my love, you're here again. Hmm. And now it's a call awakening to there's something up that, that needs to be attended to. But let's come to center. Yeah. Do this from here. Okay. So this is what that process was really about. And um, so for Steve, it was reaching very deep into this core where he'd been abandoned, where violence had happened against him that was um, very difficult to confront. And it took a, a a good long process till he could befriend that fully that yeah but it opened the door for him to be able to have that possibility um to come to not be in this um identify as that reactivity mm-hmm. in this battle against that reactivity yeah i mean what a journey you 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 helped create the road elway and then you took him through that process six months of yeah I, I'm from from what I read in the book, it was really just six months of feeling defeated, and eventually he quit Rodeau, and that you also accompanied him with that decision. Yeah, how help facilitate the process and facilitated even the uh, the process. Yeah, it was one of the most challenging periods. One of the really challenging periods of such a fine line to walk. Oh my goodness. Yeah. To, and do my utmost to walk that in integrity. Yeah. My friendship for him and out of my, out of my commitment to Rodell and to the whole thing. I was very challenged as it was for him and everybody else that was involved. Yeah. Uh, And uh, fortunately the way came through that as much as possible worked for everyone. So, and, um, um, 
And as you get more distance from it, it worked out really great for everybody. So yeah, of course. Yeah. So I mean, it, um, Steve wouldn't be who he is today if he had tried to mm-hmm. stay there. So yeah, it wasn't the right place for him any longer. And it was hard to let go because he was so much of creating Rodell. And of course. So, um, did you stay on with Rodell after that? Y- yes, I did. And what did you learn from facilitating that experience? Well, uh, I don't know that um, I've tried to answer that question before. I just know that it was, uh, you talk about walking in the unknown. It was just, um, it was just, yeah. Yeah. it was, it was um, expanding my capacity to, to walk in the unknown and uh, be at risk. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they have so much at risk and, and then do what I pause and just keep listening with everything mm-hmm. I could bring to, to the game and practicing all of the collaborative way. It was an ultimate moment of that practice. Yeah. I mean, and also like what I'm hearing is just an ultimate expression of trust in yourself and the collaborative way in the process. And the unfolding. Yeah. And the unfolding and the unknown. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Um, over the next, was it, it's, it's been now 25 years that you're sharing the collaborative way? Well, it's more than that because the collaborative way uh, came into existence uh, in 1990. Yeah. So, and then, uh, so I've been doing that primarily since 1990. And we started taking it out to other companies in something like uh, 94, I think it was. Yeah. So, so here's, here's, here's what I'm interested in. If we just take a look at just one aspect, listening um, with generosity. Now, for a lot of companies, the training of listening is very focused on the doing and the techniques. And there's this thing called active listening that we're many leaders and managers are trained in, but your way is really looking who you're being that's actually doing the listening. So, or or maybe I'll I'll ask this, like what's different with the listening generosity to what you, what, for example, active listening or the different levels of listening that you would find in most company, in, in most traditional leadership training programs. Well, okay, there's a, there's a lot similar, okay, and but and there are things diff, that are different. One is the we again, is that we're, you know, will to work on you listening generously, are listening actively, okay, and you take your course and you learn to listen actively. But there's no, and then we get back together and we're all like. It hasn't gotten that we're going to listen actively to each other. And we have a commitment to active listening here. And we're going to learn together to be really good at actively listening. And we're going to master this together. You know, that's that's one thing that's usually missing. Um, The other is that we work when we. Even at the normal level of how listening is trained, if you can get a little more of that we present, it'll go a long ways. Mm hmm. 
Now, one of the things that we do, though, is we do a few things like that are uncon- that aren't the normal, is that we'll start off by going, if you're interested to, to really get good at listening generously, what, what we first do is let's back up a little bit and look at your relationship to listen. And then we, we invite people to begin to see how they actually hold listening in low regard when it comes to how they behave. Yeah. Okay. I see that. Yeah. Behave as though their listening makes very little impact. Yes. Yes. Then we have ways for them to very directly experience that and they'll see, and they see the impact that the way they're listening is having on another person and what it's like to have that over here, the impact that it has. And then you open it up to see that however you're listening, in any moment is impacting the people around you. So you're at a meaning and you're not listening. It has having impact, but we don't behave as though it does. I'm just here doing my emails until something interesting comes along. That is having an impact on what's being on, not just the, the energy in the room, but what's actually being said because the way you listen impacts what the other person actually says. Yeah. Okay, so So it impacts the words that come out of their mouth or it impacts what you hear or both. Both. Yeah. Yeah. It actually I never considered that how you listen actually changes the words that come out of the person's mouth. Exactly. It does. Yeah. I never considered that. That's amazing. Yeah. And so you start to wake up to that. Wow. Yeah. Just a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. You know, is it just the way I'm listening that's having this big guy be such a jerk? Or maybe, maybe it's, uh, maybe it's not just him or her. It has something to do with the way I'm listening. Yeah, of course. That makes total sense. Bringing into this situation right now. Yeah. And then it's not just, it's, it's, and then what's also the case is you're always listening through filters. That's right. So I got a filter like, oh, here's the accountant. Or a filter mm-hmm. up this, go ahead. But I take it, whatever I hear that gets through all these different filters that I have, I take whatever I hear to be what the person is actually saying. And yeah. I deal with them like it, that's what you're saying. Yeah. But many times that's not what's getting, they aren't saying what I'm hearing. There's, it's a blend of what they're saying and my filters. And then it's what gets through. Yeah. And, and then, uh, and then that's, but I, I don't check to see, oh, what it seems like you're saying is this. Or, yeah. Or what is their intention and what are you actually hearing? Yes. Yeah. And so to begin to notice your filters mm-hmm. so that you can, one, wake up to the fact you're always listening through filters. Two, begin to build the, the skill to recognize your filters and three, then elevate your skill in being able to set that filter aside a bit and bring some curiosity, a new level of curiosity uh, forward to hear what's you couldn't hear. My mom is this way. Oh, okay. That's a big filter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And we got those, you know, my dad yeah. is this way. And if I can just notice that's a filter and move that just a little aside and bring a new level of curiosity, miracles happen. Right. And these filters, they're like blind spots. 
for leaders and organizations. They are. What, what would, what would you, yeah, from, from, from your experience and the work we've seen, what would you say are some of the, just the biggest blind spots most leaders have they're not even aware of when it comes to filters? That they have them. So the biggest blind spot is the fact that they even have them. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not just leaders. It's all of us. All of us, we of course. As if we don't have filters. Yeah. We live and operate as if with free of filters. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Just if you can get that. So that background stuff, then you can pay, you know, like the skills of listening generously, pay attention. Yeah. You know, first one. Well, that when that's 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 really hard. What's really hard? Pay attention. Paying attention is really hard. Yeah. Yeah. You wake up to what paying yeah. attention is. I mean, hey, meditation is simply pay attention. Hmm. Notice every time you get distracted, return. Return. Right. Return. To center, to center, to center, to center. Yeah. So meditate, you know, really, if you really get into the practice of listening generously, listening itself is a meditative practice. You're returning to center constantly. Yeah. Because you're noticing you're getting distracted. That's true. I'm and- reminded, gosh, how, how, how like my listening has evolved over the years. But my goodness, my poor ex-girlfriend, I remember she would come home and she would tell me things and I would just nod and be like, uh-huh, uh-huh. And, <laughs> and I was an expert at faking listening. Yes. And I was always... Even with my whole family, I was always distracted and I never was able to really pay attention. And every so often someone would say something and I'd be like, oh, my interest would spark. And then it, it would obviously, it would be obvious that I hadn't been listening the whole time and it would drive everyone crazy. And, um, I just didn't understand what was wrong. Yeah. You know, I just, yeah, that, and I've lived, uh, gosh, most of my, uh, most of my life that way. Um, probably. And I was in the, I was just in the dark with, I didn't know. And then, and so you just started paying attention and get, wake up to that practice. Like what you're seeing, how, how much is to what we call replicate, but that's what others will uh, talk about or phrase or feedback, which is one of the active listening but it's in a little different frame, okay? It's in the frame of being responsible for your listening and being responsible for that. You've got filters. So I'm going to check. I hear this. I That might not be what you said because I got filters. And I know you got filters. We all got. So to be a bit more responsible for the miracle of actually hearing what you say, I'm going to check. Yeah. Yeah. And and then we get better and better at being able to be effectively mm-hmm. listen to each other. And then the last skill is that of recreate where what we call recreate. Others will call listening with um, empathy or Mm -hmm. various other terms they'll use. But what we're working at getting is to over into the other person's shoes so that as close as you can, you can't get in their shoes, but over close as you can to look out at the world from where they're viewing as much as possible so that you're appreciating how they're feeling, appreciating their perspective, appreciating yeah. their commitment, and yeah. checking to see if you actually are and not trusting that just because you think you're there, you're there. 
Oh my God. And it's so, it's so needed. And ultimately that level of listening, it's an act of love. Yes. To listen from that place for hearing what's really being said. And, um, what are meetings like when people actually listen like that? I've never been in a meeting like that within the context of like an organization. Well, it was like Rodell going back to Rodell, you know, we, yeah. that was a time uh, of um, unbelievable change going on there. Yeah. 90, 90 was the beginning of the quality movement and uh, ISO 9000 and all this kind of stuff. And we, I mean, it was, it was a wild time. And we'd have consultants come into Rodell that were teaching change management, not change management, but quality and ISO 9000 and those kind of things. And yeah. they go, what's wrong with you guys? There's no defensiveness. You just change. Mm. You just learn. What is the deal here? Yeah. Our intel would come in and the, and the guys on the line would make eye contact with them, not because we said to, but it was a natural response for them. And they're saying, what is happening here? We want to work with you. Yeah. You know, so it is, you are pointing out, it is quite remarkable. Yeah. I mean, I, I am in, there's a, a company that I work with that's been practicing the collaborative way for over 27 years now. And, wow. uh, you know, you talk to people and they say, you know, headhunters, they're very successful. Headhunters are calling me all the time. But I don't know anywhere else in the industry that you can work in an environment like this. And what's the cool thing is then it, it, it doesn't just stay in the company. When you start listening that way in the company, you bring that home. Yeah, of course. Beautiful things that happen at home. Yeah. So the work now starts to be a developmental environment for supporting you and being um, more effective um, spouse, parent, community yeah. member. Etc. That's that's yeah. that's a dream come true. That's that's beautiful. Well, that sounds like you're creating a collaborative world there, Lord. <laughs> Doing my best in this tiny little space, you know. So, yeah. yeah. Well, it's been such a joy and such an inspiration to hear from you. Thank you for sharing. Um, yes, just so so eloquently, and I'm really, um, yeah, I'm, I, I love the practicality as well of. of what you brought to the conversation, especially around listening and the possibility for all of us. Um, so this is one, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll go back to and listen again. Um, thank you. We've already come to, um, to the end of our time together. Is there something you would like to share before we complete this episode? Um, just, it's been a real delight to engage with you. I appreciate your, your, um, all the, the listening that you brought to this and the openness you brought. And uh, it's just a real delight to, um, to be able to share. And it's, um, uh, I appreciate what you're doing in um, working to make, uh, contribute to the planet and uh, contribute to uh, the opening of possibility for other human beings. So, yeah. Amazing. Thank you so much. And for those that are listening and who want to know more about the collaborative way, um, where, where's the best uh, or who would like to be in touch with you? What would be the best way for them to do that? To go to our website and then there's you can link to us or 
Um, there's a lot of information there and plus access to us. So it's at. So we'll, we'll put a link. The website is the collaborativeway.com. Collaborativeway.com. Perfect. We'll put those links in the show notes. Uh, once again, Lloyd Fickett, thank you so much. It's been a delight. And thank you to all our listeners from the podcast. Uh, have a great day and uh, thanks you again. Goodbye. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you know someone who would benefit from today's conversation, please share this podcast with them. Also, we invite you to visit theultimatecoachbook.com so you can continue your personal exploration of being. There you will find links to join our wonderful community, get your own copy of The Ultimate Coach Book, and more. Simply go now to www.theultimatecoachbook.com. That's www.theultimatecoachbook.com. The link is also available in the show notes. We appreciate your support. Be blessed. Be used.